0: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. What do you think the Jets' expectations are for Aaron, and how long he'll play for them?
1: I think it's three. I think keeping him happy, he's in a rejuvenated state now, right? He can leave Green Bay and all the nonsense that's going back and forth between he and the coach and the the general manager situation there. This is fresh, but I think it's going to be really good for him.
0: Hey now, what's cracking? Welcome to the Jim Rohn Podcast. Episode 265, where we are getting ready for the NFL Draft this week with somebody who ran an NFL front office for over a decade as the GM of the Falcons. Before that, he served as the hood man, Bill Belichick's director of college scouting for four years. Of course, I'm talking about Thomas Dimitrov. He returns to the original side hustle for episode 265. Thomas is now the CEO of Sumer Sports, a football analytics company that advises NFL front offices. Essentially, there is no better resource to tap this week, so let's not waste any time. Let's get right to it. It is episode 265 of the Jim Rome Podcast with former NFL GM Thomas Dimitrov, and it's coming at you right now. So Thomas, always good to run you down, especially this time of year. I know you're approaching the draft. We'll get into how you're doing it, but first things first, how you living, my guy? How are things?
1: I am well. I'm trying to ride as much as I can. I'm trying to eat well and I am literally reading a lot of Peter Atia. Have you been reading his books? I hope you have.
0: You know, I have not. I still have not. I am very familiar with him. I know what he's about. Tell me something. I mean, you know, let's just sidebar really quickly. You are what you consume, and I don't just mean food. I mean what you eat, what you drink, what you read, what you watch. So are you consuming only clean burning fuel? And how does it make you feel?
1: You know what? I, I try to be pretty particular about everything as far as as far as fuel. As far as the other things, it's probably what I need to work on a little bit more, right? Although I, you know, I like my shows, I like I like my music, so I have to kind of keep myself in the right spot. As far as food, though, I feel like I'm in a really good spot, brother, and it's important for me. I have to get up feeling good in the morning. I have to last the day.
0: It's fuel. I mean, it really is fuel. What about what you're reading? What do you like about what you're reading these days?
1: Well, I'm I'm really honed in on this longevity thing. You know, last time you and I talked a few months ago, I mean, I was, I was trying to figure out where I was going, where I need to focus my time, and I realized, you know, that idea, and you and I talked about this, the idea of getting ahead of the, the curve, right? Making sure that you are doing your testing. And you're, I'm reading all about that and how important that is, right? not just waiting for something to pop up, being proactive in anything we do, I think is important as it pertains to your health. I just think it's so vital. At times I try to avoid it because you and I lost our fathers early, right? I don't want them to find something, but I realize how important that is
0: you nailed it. That's exactly what that is. All right. So I appreciate your thoughts on that. You know, when I booked this conversation, I assumed that we would talk exclusively about the draft, but then the story breaks, of course, that long awaited Aaron Rodgers to Jets trade finally goes down. Why don't we start there? What is your reaction to the blockbuster? And do you like what the Jets did in this case?
1: So I do like what the Jets did. I think it was vital for the Jets to pull this off as they did. I I didn't know how long it was going to last, you know, on the way up into the draft. We knew how important it was. I mean, my parallel, not to bring it back, but back in 09 when in Atlanta, we brought in Tony Gonzalez, right? A big time guy that was at the tail end of his career. I remember calling Doug Hendricks and telling him, Hey dude, you, you better have me in the right direction here. If this guy leaves after a year, I am screwed. So let's make sure that we have a, an obligation here. So I know the Jets are very keen on that. They put a lot into this. They don't want them walking away after the next one or two years and deciding to retire. I just wanted to mention that because that is a really think big thing for an organization, knowing you're anchored in with this new guy.
0: I, know, I was going there next. I'm so glad you brought that up. I was going to say, there's no way for us to know. But given the compensation, Thomas, do you think that they gave that up thinking that they would get any less than? two years like what do you think the jets expectations are for aaron and how long he'll play for them
1: you know i really do think it's probably three years you're definitely not coming away with anything less than two i think it's three i think keeping him happy he's in a rejuvenated state now right he can leave green bay and all the nonsense that's going back and forth between he and the coach and and the general manager situation there this is fresh i mean joe douglas he's a he's a really good football man You know, they have a coach in a GM situation there that's very positive. And I think it's going to be really good for Aaron.
0: You know, I think that both sides, and I took telephone calls for much of my daily program today from Green Bay Packer fans, they were kind of saying, good rins, good rins. I said, listen, well, why do you want to do that guy like that? I understand you're frustrated. I understand it's run its course. I understand that both sides need a fresh start. But what do you think that'll do for Aaron? Like, when you assess where he is from a football standpoint, what do you see? Do you see any slippage? Do you see any diminished skill? Or do you think that what he really needs is a fresh start and that he will be much better for it? And it's almost like... That same guy
1: yeah look I I still look at him and I still think he's one of the very best in this league and and personally antics aside and I don't even know if they're antics sometimes I think they are other times I you know I think he is who he is he is his own person I really believe that he is still at the at the at the top end of his game get the right people around him the right people protecting him and the right receiver core and continue to grow and grow like as a team and you have a guy like this that I think can take you to to the level you want to get to. And I still think he's on the ball. I, I When people start saying, oh, he's on his way out and this and that, there are very few quarterbacks in there that can, can hold his water in my mind. And I think he's one of the very best to come through this league.
0: Interesting. Now you are not risk adverse. You're a guy who was always really forward thinking. I saw a note and I can't remember exactly where I saw it, but I saw an anonymous anonymous, anonymous executive say, you know what? They didn't need that home run ball. All they needed was a gapper. All they needed was a double. Why do you need to go all in with Aaron Rodgers? They could have made a safer play in Derek Carr. Do you buy that argument? Do you see any merit in that?
1: No, I don't buy it. I think they're in a really unique situation there in New York. I think, again, I just praise Joe Douglas. I think what Joe's done is really, really done well there, but it's a crossroad time. It's a really important time to get the right person in there and start winning games and winning and hopefully, you know, gunning for the the, the deep into the playoffs and towards the Super Bowl. You can't sit on your hands in the NFL today. So I say to Joe, you know, full-on lotting of Joe Douglas and what they did there in New York.
0: Interesting. I like that. I like that. I tend to agree with you. In fact, I actually do agree with you. So, Thomas, what do you think? Like, the Packers have to find out what they have in Jordan Love, and the only way to find out is to put him out there and find out. If you had to speculate, do you have any idea? What do they have in him?
1: Well, look, I I think he's, you know, he's got – Talent and skills, no question about it. I don't truly know. The more I watch him, and even when he came out, Jim, you know, there were there were certain things that people were trying to dig in on. They wanted to really determine what his true leadership ability was. That is something that Green Bay is going to have to really dig in on, as you know. They are losing a guy who's one of the best leaders. I say leaders as a quarterback, you know, again, antics aside, meaning he is, you know, what Aaron Rodgers was for that organization was unbelievable. And, and now you have Jordan Love, who really hasn't proven himself. And this is a big deal. I've said this time and again, you can't have a quarterback at the helm who has all the skills in the world, may have athleticism, can move around, has a big gun, but can't lead or is a limited leader. That is a concern. So they need to determine what that is. And this has something to do with fifth-year option as well, right, brother? Like, what do they do with that? They still have to decide on who he is for that organization and the best way to do that is provide the confidence for him. If they went into this year and they didn't they didn't uh you know exercise the fifth year, all of a sudden they had their new quarterback coming in with a feeling that the, that he doesn't have the confidence from the team. I think they have to pull off the twenty million dollars and, and and sign the fifth year option.
0: Clones, what do you want when you're craving protein or you need more energy? Not bars, not sugary snacks, not energy drinks. You want beef, pure and simple. You know, it's something because you look at all the measurables and you can see that. But that point that you're making about leadership is so interesting. Like, how do you measure that? For instance, your company, Sumer Sports, obviously, has kept you very close to the sport. And you know about analytics. You know about data solutions. You know how to scout. You've got all the hunches. I mean, you've been around this thing forever. But are there any ways to measure leadership short of putting a guy out there and seeing what he does when the bullets fly and what he does in the facility day to day? How do you measure or speculate or predict on leadership.
1: Well, I look. You know, we have all of these these tests that are out there. And I'm sure we might jump into S2 today and and where he is with, you know, with CJ Stroud. But I mean, when you're talking about measuring leadership, I mean, yeah, you can you can do certain tests and 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 analyze their, you know, how they're, you know, what they perceive to be their approach to leading and. But truly, in the end, I think this is out on the field. This is how that how you determine, you know, in the you know on the field, of course, Jim. But in the locker room, how they're interacting with people, you know, what what how how communicative they are, how they again lead the troops. Again, I can go on and on about it. One of the things we're trying to do at Sumer and a lot of other places in data is try to figure out how we we make you know take it steps closer through data, and it's not that easy. It's one of those mis- mysterious elements that we're still trying to dig in on. But I do agree that you need to determine that on the field when the bullets are flying, and I know you believe that, and that's something that we're going to have to see with Jordan.
0: All right, so I'm so glad, Thomas, you brought up the S-2. I was going to ask you about that, but since you did, let me jump right to it. There was a report that C.J. Stroud, and by the way, were we not talking about C.J. Stroud as possibly going first overall not that long ago, and then that report drops that he tested poorly on the S-2 – First things first, for those who do not know what the S2 is, what is it, what does the test measure, and then how valuable a resource do teams consider it generally?
1: So it's, you know, it's a rising star right now in that world, right? There's a number of third parties out there, you know, like S2, like HRT, like AIQAIM with Scott Goldman. And, and beyond. And, and a lot of us as teams, as general managers, former general managers and general managers and teams, they, they bring together all the data they can from these tests. They mix it all in, you know, mix it all in and they're looking at it because that's part of their job to make sure that they analyze what is out there through different tests. Right. We would have two and three different tests every year on the on the main players that we wanted to determine whether they were who we truly wanted to grow with. I mean, the S2 and an 18% is a legit issue. That said, it's not the end-all be-all. S2, again, good rising star, but you can't hold everything off of S2's 18%. I tend to think this. I think the teams going into the draft right now, Jim, the top five teams right now are agitated with the fact that S2 came out as an 18 for for C.J. Stroud. Honestly, number pick 10 to 15 aren't. They might be happy as hell because they're thinking, oh my God, this guy's truly going to potentially drop in the draft outside of the top 10 because of something like this. So this is a processing test. There are so many elements to these. And this this has to do with quick processing. And you know, in the NFL as a quarterback, you have to process fast. And that's a big thing, you know, when when again the bullets are flying. If you can't process fast, you're 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 in for some struggles. And it and it takes a lot of work with your coaching staff to work with your new quarterback and if he's not processing as fast as you want it's going to it's going to take it's going to take a lot of time
0: again fascinating like Thomas if it were you i mean every team will look at this differently but if it were you and you were looking to draft a quote franchise quarterback and you had a top 5 pick and you saw somebody who scored in the 18th percentile would that dissuade you from taking that player
1: it would not fully dissuade me, Jim, but it would have me going back doing a lot more work on him. I, we probably have already done a ton of work if we're in the top five looking at him. But again, I think you take these tests, you you analyze them all, of course, but you also get your quarterback coach and your offensive coordinator in with this player and CJ Stroud and you drill him up, down and left, right any way you can to challenge him to see where he is. And if he comes out on top of that, you 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 keep the S two in mind, but you go with what your eyes and what your coaching staff has done with him as they're getting ready to see if he is the person. And that's where you gauge, I believe.
0: Listen, I know you love what you're doing. I know that you love being a part of this company and running this company, Sumer. I wonder, I mean, yes, you love it. This time of year, do you at all miss the adrenaline rush of being in the war room during the draft?
1: Oh, man, I'm (laughs) talking to you about this right now. I'm fired up. (laughs) I was thinking about being in front of the big screens and and Arthur Blank there, and Dan Quinn most recently, and Smitty before that, Mike Smith. And I remember how how ramped up I was. I am so ramped up about this. We have three pilot teams, um, in in uh, you know, with with Sumer, and we are going to be in the middle of this sort of a mocked out uh, draft. So I'll, I'll be getting a little bit of that. But look, I want to build championship teams wherever I am, whether it's in business or whether it's in the NFL. So. It, it is a, it's a, it's a fiery situation for me this time of year.
0: No doubt. That's how you're wired. That's how you're built. All right. So what about the Panthers? They're on the clock after they traded up to get that number one pick. Most signs point to them taking Alabama quarterback Bryce Young. Do you see them doing it? And then do you personally think that's the right move for them?
1: You know, I do see them doing it. I, I think that there's a, is a, there's a great deal of talk out there about, you know, owner, head coach and general manager being in alignment right and and Jim this is an important thing in the end we all know the owners it's their train set right a lot of us as gms and head coaches need you know want to think that we're totally in charge but in the end if mr tepper truly wants bryce young then bryce young is a the guy they will take there's no question about that in my mind it could could vary from from organization to organization i think this is a really good situation for this team if in fact they do go in this direction with bryce he has so many things mapped out for him as an organization who needs to hit on a quarterback. One thing, as we know, however, all the other positives that Bryce Young brings to the table. Look, I, I believe there is a there is something to think about with size, right? I we took Matt Ryan; he was just shy of six five, tall, stand in the pocket, prototypical quarterback. That's not Bryce Young, but Bryce has a lot of other elements to him. Moxie, intelligence, ability to make make throws off this foot or that foot. So I think it's a really positive thing for them to go into this with a quarterback like this who has been around Nick Saban and a program that is, is tried and true.
0: Would you? I mean, it's I, I love the guy. I, I love his arm. I love his head. I love his athleticism. I love everything about him except his size. Can you get beyond that? Would you take him?
1: You know, that's one of the things that that I, I would have to really dig in on on the size because five, 10 and a little bit is is a challenge. And I look, you can get all the big O linemen around you. Right. But they also become a little bit of an impediment. And I remember working with Matt Ryan and he had a number of you know uh, situations there where he would get two and three balls knocked down in a in a spell. And I remember pulling my head out, my hair out, excuse me, and, and just, you know, thinking about how difficult that was. This is something that will always be on the plate for Bryce Young, right? In the NFL, get the ball knocked down. There's always going to be people coming at him in a certain way because of that. He has the ability to get around it. I'm not answering your question here because it would be a really tough decision for me.
0: No, I get it. I, I get that, and I think the point that you make—that every time he gets a ball knocked down, it's going to come up—you see that with Baker Mayfield. I was like Baker Mayfield. I loved him coming out of college. I loved his grit. I loved his heart. I loved his fire. But every time that guy gets a ball knocked down at the line of scrimmage, it, it, it's a thing, right?
1: It's a thing, and it will always be a thing. And yet, you know, you're—you know—you can you can look at some of the quarterbacks out there that aren't that big, and we've seen someone like Mahomes is so amazing at what he does. The difference between Mahomes and Bryce Young, is it two inches? I, I can't remember exactly what it is. Uh, need, needless to say, I mean, you know, there are players out there that can manage it. You just have to manage it with your entire team, you know, and, you know, the new head coach there. I mean, what Frank has to do there, he has to be very creative. And believe me, they've thought about this up and down since, since focusing in here. If Bryce Young ends up being the the, the player They know where they're going program-wise and scheme-wise, and that's going to be an important part.
0: Like I would never, I want to be very careful before I make any kind of comparison like this, but kind of like Drew Brees, right? It was like this whole holistic thing, top to bottom in New Orleans where that worked, right?
1: No question. Top to bottom. And again, there are so many great things about Bryce Young, as you said earlier, that, you know, if they go into this, and again, Scott Fitterer goes into this, you know, with a new head coach and they have to hit on this quarterback, right? They've had a string of quarterbacks that they've, that 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 have not like hit as they wanted to. This is a very very important franchise move for the owner, of course, as well as Scott and Frank Wright.
0: All right. So, what about another guy who nobody would ever question physically? Anthony Richardson Thomas has been rising up draft boards after showing out at the combine and the pro day. But he is only twenty. He started just thirteen games at Florida. Where do you come out on Richardson?
1: Well, look, I, you know, at first I was thinking Richardson was, you know, back in, in the twenties and beyond. Right. I know that that's not going to happen now. I mean, man, he may not even get by four depending on how things lay out with the quarterbacks. I'm concerned, of course, I love that he can do backflips literally and figuratively speaking, right. There's something about athleticism and the ability to move around and adjust. I do love that after a long career with Matt Ryan, who was more in that intermediate level of athleticism it always had me wondering how would it be to be around a player like this who could have people on their heels all the time regarding athleticism? That said, when you're trying to figure out what this player is going to be, how he's going to key and diagnose, how he's going to how he's going to be with the scheme and how he's going to be with completion percentage, which we know is is up in the air right now, it's going to take a while to train him to get him to where he needs to be to, to you know, so that he can evolve. I mean, I sit there and I think, wow, I would love to see him go to Seattle. I would love to see him go to John Schneider and and Pete Carroll and, and work with him for a year or two and then bring him along. That's where I think he needs to go. Or he needs to go to another team that's that's, you know, has time to be able to work with him. Coming out in the top five, being a starter in day one, that's going to be complicated, I believe.
0: Yeah, Thomas, there's so much to being a quarterback in the NFL, and there's so much to learn and so much to process, and it's such a hard, hard job. And again, I want to be careful when I make comparisons, but when Tom Brady went to Tampa Bay, it was amazing the way everybody said, almost literally from the day he walked through the door, that he just had this thing and this presence, and he was able to kind of change the culture. I don't want to say single-handedly, but impact the culture of the entire organization and franchise was did matt ryan have an aspect of that and how important is that when drafting a player to think that i that's the kind of guy that understands there's so much more than just playing the position he's going to impact the defense the special teams and everybody in the building
1: oh man you hit you hit it on jim because i'm a big believer that that guy has to have not only leadership ability again for only you know his receivers and his running backs we've said this before he has to have the entire team right that is That is so important for the quarterback position. And it's tough because we take that into consideration and then we look at it and we say, but we really need a quarterback. And the most mistakes that are made here, every GM will tell you, hands down, they made the mistakes on excessive need. Excessive need, Jim, is so – it can be such a, a deleterious element to you building your team. That's where I made my most most of my mistakes over the career, my career is because we push for it. And if you think you have a guy who can throw the ball and do all these other things, but he's not coming to the table to the table with the leadership, that's that's a big factor, right? And it's there are a number of players that come to the table with a lack of the leadership you want at that position. That's complicated. Back to my, Matt Ryan, he was an incremental leader, Jim, which I loved. Every year he came along and grew. He wasn't just coming in and year one thumping his chest and contrived uh, leadership. He was a guy that was growing with the team all the time, which I thought was a major feather in his cap as far as gaining the team as the years went on as a leader.
0: So, Thomas, what about guys that are not quarterbacks? When you were in Atlanta or even in New England, who was somebody who was not a quarterback who had that kind of impact on the entire team, regardless of position from a leadership standpoint? Because I know you study that so closely, both inside and outside the game.
1: Well, look, I mean, there were a number of players, of course, who have done that. And you think about you always wanted them. I always wanted them at the middle inside linebacker position, right? We were unfortunate to never have that there. I will say on the other side of the line, along the O-line is always really important that way, too. Alex Mack was one of our best free agent moves ever, if you recall him, right? Came over from the Browns, great Cali kid, you know, just a really good center for us he was a difference maker he was a very important part of us getting to the super bowl in 16 and i would never look back i always used to think jim i would never spend big money a big move on an interior offensive lineman and he changed my view on that
0: Mm, interesting thomas you have mentioned some of your periods i want to go back you and i spoke about your podcast and your video series the gm journey which i thought was amazing and just to revisit that really quickly last year for those who do not know you drove around the country in a sprinter van you interviewed 16 nfl gms i'm curious like because when you're in it, you have to guard information so carefully. You have to hoard information and company secrets. What kind of relationships did you have generally with your peers prior to that? Like when you were in it? And then what was it like to talk to them after you were on the other side doing the podcast? Were they open? And then what was that like?
1: Well, it's it's really interesting because it, it started off, most of us were scouts, like road grunt scouts, right? We were on the road most of us as as traveling around and we would be in video film rooms back in the day at all these big time colleges. We'd be hanging out after we'd be drinking some beers and some tequila, whenever whatever it was back in the day that we did when we were young and running around the country. And then we get our chances to be general managers and we start. It becomes a lot more disconnected, right? Because you you talk on the phone for maybe 30 seconds about a trade possibility. If you're not interested, you move on. You're very guarded about your, your information and your data and how you're putting things together. Um, you communicate for sure and you have a bond, but you lose it interestingly enough for the most part when you're in the GM role together. So then when you come out of that, you get fired like I did You know, two 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 and a half years ago, or three, whatever it was years ago. Then you go into these interviews like I did. It was one of the reasons that I wanted to do it, Jim. I really wanted to go back and revisit my friendships and my relationships with these guys and truly hear how it was for them to build their team and to, to build the morale, et cetera, et cetera, and let them share with me instead of holding back like I'm not going to share with Thomas. Ultimately, he could beat my ass and I could get fired. So it was it was a it kind of rejuvenated our relationship, which was really big for me. And I will say you, you and I talked about it before on the most recent podcast. It it stirs emotions that you you weren't really sure you had. And I went back into visiting with these guys and man, I left every time I pulled away in my van, I just had a little bit of a lump in my throat thinking, I was so blessed to be in this business for as long as I was, almost 30 years, 13 as a general manager. I made some awesome friends and I learned so much and I wanna continue having those relationships with people.
0: Discover credit cards do something pretty awesome. At the end of your first year, they automatically double all the cash back you've earned. That's right. Everything you have earned doubled. All the cash back from eating at your favorite restaurant doubled. All the cash back from that trip where you sort of learned to snowboard also doubled. And the best part, you don't have to do anything ridiculous to get it. Discover does it automatically. Seriously, though. See terms and check it out for yourself at discover.com slash match. That's so true, isn't it? Man, I I hate that it's taken me not you or us as long as it has to figure this out but then again you can't really figure it out when you're in it because you don't have that perspective because you're so locked into the grind and having to get through the day or the week or the win right it's almost impossible to have that perspective when you're in it better that we figured out later than never but I wish I figured it out sooner I mean who doesn't wish they knew then what they know now
1: I, You know, it's interesting. I went to the owners meetings right in line with what you're talking about this past season. Haven't been there in three years. I'm walking around the owner party. By the way, you'll get a kick out of this. I had to get a pass from someone else that many years in. I had to get a pass from who was supposed to be my nemesis, Mickey Loomis, the GM from the Saints, right? He and I are really good friends. I'm wearing a Mickey Loomis pass walking through the gates. I get inside there and I see a lot of these different GMs and owners and it's amazing how Focused and myopic they were, and they hadn't seen me in years, and they would just throw me a, hey, Thomas, what's up? And I'm thinking, my God, is this only transactional? But then I realized all their life and everything they're doing is all about their game right now. I'm not saying I can't do anything for them right now, but they're focused on building a winner not sitting there spending time with Thomas Dimitrov at a at a you know at an owners party. So how that
0: make you feel? That's weird, right? Like, hey, wait a minute, I, I'm one of you, but then again, if I'm being real with myself, I'm not one of you because I'm not in it. And you had to work to get that passed. Like, were you bemused by that, or did that piss you off? Like, what do you make of that whole experience? That's really fascinating.
1: It was a tough experience, and and again, I have some really good friends in the business. But I will say, as it goes on with each year, you start realizing, as we all know, that that group, it, you know, the really tight friends are, are limited. So I go into that situation and I realize I saw certain people, let's call it the way it is, walking by me thinking, OK, I don't know what I'm going to say to TD. I haven't seen him in a while, I haven't returned his messages. It could be across the board. So. Yeah, it's agitating because you're part of the club and that is a big part of the club. And you know this, Jim. I mean, when you're in the NFL and you're a GM and you're around the head coach, a GM and owners, that's a club that is very tough to break into. And then when you're kind of, you know, of course, by by way of being fired, you're out of the club and you try to come back in. I I just sensed there was a little bit of why is TD here? You know, why is Thomas here? What? Yeah, I know he's got this business, but this is kind of our world. So, look, I. It it was un, it was a little bit unusual and, and a little agitating for me and I actually left a day and a half early because of the, the just the, the the emotions it was bringing about.
0: My brother, I love you for the candor. I mean, that is such a real response. I wonder is that change? Look, I think you were always one of the better guys who had a better perspective. But does that make you in any way wonder how players must feel when they sacrifice everything they have and they find out that it is a Ruthless business and they get cut?
1: Oh I, yeah, I, I'm sure it probably that, that's kind of where I was going with it as well. It was a, I hadn't experienced that you know all the way up to that point, and I realized players players have it tough for sure. Yes, they're making a ton of money, right? I look at what happened with Matt Ryan, and a lot of people around are like, ah, oh, he made thirty million a year. How can you feel sorry for him or bad for him? I feel bad for Matt Ryan in that situation because he goes to Indianapolis and he goes there with a good friend of mine, Chris Ballard. It doesn't work out. And I mean, it was a really tough ending there, right? That's not a way that anyone wants to end their career. You know, so I do get it. I understand it from a player's perspective just a little bit.
0: Yep, I get it. Hey, before you go, how about this? You know, I've been speaking to a lot of draft analysts on my daily program. I've gotten such a wide range of opinions on Kentucky QB Will Levis. Is he a first rounder in your mind? Where do you come out on him?
1: Well, I think he is definitely a first rounder. And I think there are people out there that love him. You and I look at him, he's all rocked up. You're like, God, man, I remember, I remember like wanting to be like all. Rocked up like that. We can't do that nowadays, right? I get that. But I think he's a, you know, he's a big guy, an athletic guy, who's a tough ass guy. Obviously, he's got a presence about him. You know, however, when you watch some of the, the shortcomings as far as his completion rate, as far as his consistency in game, that would have me, you know, that would have me at a spot where I need to step back and really do the studies. I mean, the fact that he's not getting out of four, I think is is telltale because again, back to my earlier point. People need quarterbacks. They think they can work with a quarterback like Will Levis and bring him through some of those challenging areas and and grow with them, right? They're just not always – there's always a dearth of quarterbacks. They're just not always there available, as you know.
0: Such an amazing conversation. One last thought. You, I spoke to Texas running back – Bijan John Robinson earlier today, man, I love the guy. Thomas, I just absolutely love this guy. I love him on the field. I love him off the field. Let me ask you this. Do you love him enough or any running back at this point to use a first round pick on him or any other?
1: So I, I feel very strongly about it. I think you can get some very good value running backs, as you know, in the second, third, fourth and all the way out. I get that. However, there are very few that have his ability to, that come along. They don't come along just every day. yes. You can get good value, but not the same value that you have here. You have a guy who can run. He's big. He's strong. He's fast. He's explosive. He's got the eyes. He's got the cutback ability. I, You know, I heard Sark talking about him. He could even play slot back, like he has the ability to catch balls. This guy is so well-rounded. You bring a guy like that in, in my mind, I'm not saying you should necessarily use a top-five pick on him, but when you get to these teams that are developing their young quarterbacks, again, we did it with Matt Ryan and Michael Turner way, way back. You get a really good running back. You take some of the pressure off that young quarterback, wherever it is. I mean, I've thought all along, okay, it's a little different in Philly. I know they just spent their money on him, but he's still developing. Jalen is. I think you you look at at New England at at 14 as well. There is no doubt in my mind that 10 to 15 areas, prime spot for him. Hmm.
0: U.S. Cellular has some great news, especially for you, person listening to this podcast right now you can get one line with unlimited data for just twenty nine ninety nine. dollars so unlike other cell networks you won't have to pay for lines you don't need just to get a good price get one line for $29.99 with unlimited data today U.S. Cellular built for us terms do apply visit uscellular.com for details so, Thomas, last thought, you're the CEO of Sumer Sports. You and I have talked about the company before. For those who do not know, is it is it just for business to business or can fans get in on this? Because fans cannot get enough and they're learning more and more about using analytics and metrics themselves. What about
1: Sumer? Who is it for? And can the fans take part in this at all? So that's a, it's a really good it's a good question. We are focused on B2B as, as it stands, you know, focused on the NL, of course eventually NCAA when things uh, settle in as they will. The whole B2C side and where we are with that, that that's a whole other area that we are, of course, always talking about. Right now where the customers can be is they can come onto our website, which we're really proud of with all the content that we're putting out there. And, and I think not not just the content on, on our podcast, I'm talking about some of the really in-depth, really interesting articles on data and football. I continue to tell everyone in our group, and there are a lot of them, Jim, you know that I told you like 30 plus, you met Eric Eager, outrageously smart people. I keep telling them, bring it down a level so that we can explain to people how data is to be utilized with football. It is the evolution of the league. And we believe over the next five plus plus years, we think that we can be a part of revolutionized revolutionizing the element of football and data utilizing that underutilized data. There is what we're thinking. So, Going online and watching what we're doing is is the next steps. I mean, who knows? You see what's going on out there right now with gaming and, 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 and the fantasy. It's amazing where B2C is.
0: That's exactly what I was getting at because I know they want that info. I know they want to get any edge they can. It's as tough now to get an edge as ever before. My brother, you... You still are one of my favorite people and one of the most interesting people, not only in this game, but any game. I really appreciate yet another long form conversation, Thomas. You are the absolute best and I really appreciate your time. So thanks for making so much of it for us. Once again, that was just awesome.
1: Thank you, Jim. Love, love being on always. Thank you.
0: Huge thanks to my guy, Thomas. He always brings it and by it, I mean knowledge and experience and you would be hard-pressed to find anybody better. I mean, what better dude to have on the pod right before the draft than somebody who has been in those war rooms, who has worked those phones on draft night, and who has seen pretty much everything there is when it comes to one of the NFL's biggest events of the year. So my thanks, huge thanks to Thomas for making all that time and bringing the -the behind-the-scenes look to the original side hustle like I knew he would. And if you're looking for more conversations like the one we just had, we have got over 260 episodes ready and waiting for you to take a spin. And you can look forward to a fresh ep every single week going forward. So if you could, consider finding and smashing that subscribe button. As always, I appreciate it so much. And I will catch you next week right here for episode 266 of the Jim Rohn podcast. Peace.